Welcome to the Celebration Sessions with myself, Connor Clear. The Celebration Sessions is a podcast unpacking life, loss and love. As I step further into the world of celebrancy, I want to look at how we celebrate, how we fall in love, the milestones we mark and how we can talk about the inevitable loss we'll meet along the way. This is my exploration into the beauty of it all. It's a reminder of the positivity that can come from making the most of the important times. Above all, a reminder of how important it is now more than ever to celebrate. This is the Celebration Sessions podcast. How are you doing? I hope this episode finds you well. Thank you, as always, for hitting play or download on the Celebration Sessions podcast. Now, we're just going to get straight into it. Um, there's so much discussion, I think, in the news and in opinion columns and uh, pieces about the funeral landscape right now and how things may and perhaps should look as things reopen and as restrictions start to lift. It's a discussion I want to have and just to try and get my head around what the future of grief in Ireland is is going to be like. So that's really what this episode is going to be. We're looking at post-COVID grief. So let's get straight into it and we'll bring in our guests. And this time, for the first time, in fact, on this podcast, I'm joined by two guests. And uh, we'll introduce Caroline first, I think, fellow Irish ethical celebrant and uh, one of the founding members of Serendipity Celebrants, Caroline McNamara. Caroline, how are you doing? I'm doing very well and thank you for having me. I'm delighted to be chatting to you today. I have loved all your podcasts. Am I allowed to say that? (laughs) You are indeed. You are indeed, of course. You know I'm shameless like that, of course. (laughs) Oh yeah, no, fantastic. They have been my my companion when I walk the pier, so I've loved it. And it's a pleasure to be here. Uh, Thank you. Well, now look, I will say genuinely and very legitimately, that does mean an awful lot. It's 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 very humbling, in fact, to think that people choose to put me in their ear when they're out for their walks. So it does mean a lot. And, and thank you very much. Um, now, not only is this the first episode uh, with two people joining me, but Pat has the distinction, I think, of being the first guest to return for a second episode. So I'm thrilled with that. Fellow IIOC colleague and uh, funeral celebrant as well, Pat Fenlon. Pat, how are you doing? I'm very good. Uh, back by popular demand. <laughs> it's, um, it's, a, it's a pleasure. And uh, again, I loved participating in, in the last one and uh, took me a while to listen back to myself, but I really enjoyed it and your other podcast as well. So privilege and thanks a million for asking me back. Ah, well, listen, the, the, the privilege is, is all mine. I, I must have done something right that you've you've agreed to come back, <laughs> come back again. And, and listen, I'm, I'm, I'm still getting such lovely feedback about, uh, uh, that was episode, that was episode two. That was one of those very early episodes back in the early days. Unless, of course, I've been invited back to kind of get it right this time and do it again. <laughs> never, <laughs> never. No, I just want to share more of your wisdom. That's what it is. That's what it is. I'll take that. So look, we're looking at, post-COVID funeral and and the memorial landscape. And this is something, as I said, that's on so many people's minds. Certainly, sadly, I I think people who have lost loved ones uh, over the last year. And we will get to funerals and memorials shortly. But first, I think I just want to almost assess the damage, really. I might come to you, Pat, first. What do you think is the emotional and and psychological fallout, really, for, for grief and bereavement through COVID? Um, 
I think first, Connor, I, I, I keep smiling when we talk about kind of post-COVID funerals and post-COVID because as if we can click a switch and this is all going to revert back to or be different, like the war is over and we'll all be out in the streets. And I, I think a lot of people are waiting still for this post-era. And I, I, I think that maybe we're missing life currently. Um, but we'll, we'll come to that in a few minutes, I suppose. But in relation to kind of psychological, I just, I fear that there will be a lot of damage because by nature, we have evolved into very emotive and expressive people. And I think it's a huge part of our identity and our existence to be able to express ourselves, to be able to laugh or cry or greet or support or be there. And very often I would send messages to good friends and say, look, I'm in your corner or I'll be there for you. And we often say that, like, I'll be there. Um, And especially at a funeral, people are there and it's their presence. They mightn't say anything, but it's their presence. And I think the damage that COVID is doing is that we are not allowing people to be there. We're not allowing families to to be together with extended family members and with friends and with a bigger community. And I think that's going to damage people. I think that leaves people with unfinished business. And I think there's going to be a sense in people's minds, did I do enough? Did I give them a good send off? Did I support families did i support each other i think what's good about this podcast i think we're going to talk about we've talked about people who have died and passed away and in in a sense my hope and belief is they're at peace but it's the people left behind who are grieving that the prolonged journey continues a funeral and celebration or ceremony is over but grief is a longer process and i think People are going to miss the loved one every day, but now they're in lockdown and now they're not able to either meet at the time or even since. And I think that is going to be mm. tough yeah. on people. I think that's going to affect people. Absolutely. Um, Absolutely. Yeah. And and there's not going to be like a, a light switch day when things just all of a sudden return to, to, to the way things were. Like even as restrictions lift, things will still alter and and change. Um, it, it will. And I've heard a lot of people saying, oh, well, you know, when COVID is over, we'll all get together. But when COVID is over, and I hope people do get together, but they're getting together at a different time, in a different place, um, with different emotions and different feelings. And I think that might be an anticlimax for some. I think it's yeah. good that we plan it, but I do worry that it won't be the same. Yeah. And we, we discussed, and in fact, Caroline, I'll, I'll bring you in here because myself and Pat discussed this previously. This idea that in those initial days of grief, when you lose somebody, that's that's when the importance and value of Irish funeral tr- tradition comes into play. That sense of community. And like you say, Pat, everyone is there. You know, oh yeah, I'm there for you. You know, they are... F- physically there for you and it's after that then when you've gone through your funeral and everyone else goes back to normal and back to their lives and this idea then that we're now going to organize memorials and and come back and revisit this and yeah to be fair that's relevant 
to you and meaningful to you as, as somebody who is grieving. But is there a possibility that it may not be the closure that you think it will be for you? Well, I suppose when we were thinking about the effect of grieving during COVID, um, I was walking the pier, pulled out the, uh, the earphones. I was listening to you, Connor, but I fell into step with uh, a neighbor who lost her husband during the year. And I asked her, you know, what was it? What has it been like trying to grieve this year of all years? Was it easier or was it harder? Do you think has it, what sort of an effect has it had? And she said, Oh, it's been much harder because I'm a people person. I like to talk to people and I haven't had that opportunity. And I suppose we all know that the expression um, expression is the antidote to depression. And she hasn't had a chance for that expression during the year. And I remember when I was, you know, working on how to help people with grief or serve what best people who are grieving, the idea of grief being this, you know, ball, uh, tennis ball, say, and our grief is the size of the tennis ball and our life is the size of the tennis ball. But gradually our life gets bigger than the tennis ball. Our grief doesn't diminish our life just grows around it and maybe at some point it's the size of a football around the tennis ball but I think COVID has meant that our lives have stayed that small size and people haven't had a chance to fill up their lives with other things to deal and and have the grief take its sort of how would you say place in their lives in in just not it's not their whole lives but grief I think or has made COVID has made grief be everything that's happening in your life and I think that's going to have a long-term effect. You know, it's the deferred grief that's, yeah, that, that's happening at the moment. So yeah. that is such mm-hmm. a, a powerful analogy, and obviously, I think we we've seen mm-hmm. so much change in 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 how we go about this and how we go through this journey of grief. And I think my fear is that the longer this continues the more it becomes the norm, which, which I guess I kind of find scary yeah. because our journey of grief now is, well, it's it's not a, a healthy no. one, certainly no. while we go through this, um, go through this lockdown, you know. I mean, imagine you're a family and you've had to choose between family members who can attend the funeral. I've witnessed that. I, yeah, it's a, it's a dreadful choice. Yeah. You know, and the size of Irish families, I mean, that just must be devastating you know who do you choose who don't who do you leave out and then I know in one particular I mean I think we probably all have people and friends and family who've lost people during the year uh it's it, trying to decide who would it have less of a bad effect on to be left yeah, outside yeah, yeah. you know so all the things that people have been juggling to try and manage and and it, it is a shame and obviously I don't want to get into the the specifics of regulations and 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 the reason why the, the government would would uh put in place certain restrictions mm-hmm. but you do look at certain venues and certain churches that are absolutely massive that could easily safely yeah. hold you know you know yeah. at, at least at I least know. a large you know 20 25 30 50 people yeah. you know yeah I, I think the same i mean i think it must be even more difficult when you're in such a huge basilica of a room do you know what I mean? That mm. if you were in a, if you were in yeah. your sitting room, and it was confined to ten, you fill it. But if you're in a church, and you, there's mm. an echo around the place, and in fact, I was involved at a funeral, and he had died because of COVID. But the big suspicion was his wife was COVID positive, and they were waiting on a result. So she sat in the car outside, uh, listening to it being streamed while her oh her children were inside, and. Mm. 
I thought, my God, that must be really difficult that, you know, she, and she never got out of the car for fear that she would have it and affect, infect um, yeah. other family members. You know, mm. it's all of those regulations. I can totally understand them because it's about people's lives and about people's health, yeah. but it doesn't yeah. make it easier. I mean, the rationale behind it and the reasoning yeah. behind it doesn't make it easier. And again, just to give another example, um, where I live, we had a funeral and again, we said, you know, he was a neighbor from up the road. So we said, we stand out at the gate because we can't call up to the family. We can't call into the house. We should have been making sandwiches and bringing them mm-hmm. up. And we, the funeral was to pass, was leaving the house at 10. And we stood outside at about quarter past 10, a car pulled up. And said, I hope you're not waiting at the funeral. They're gone the other way. Oh, <laughs> They're gone into town the other direction. No. I said, oh. So, and we told the next neighbor, and there was a whole oh, yeah. line of people but the hearse had gone a different direction. Uh, and everybody said, we can't even, let's jump into the cars and go to the church or let's go up to the house. And, you know, it was gone. The moment was gone. And we've, yeah. we haven't seen oh, that family yes. since because, yeah, yeah. you know, the, 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 because we couldn't. And you know? do you know what, to, to loop back around, I think that's the, the, the emotional and psychological scar that I think mm. we'll, we'll be left yeah. with as, as, yeah. as a society. Yeah. Um, and again, just to come back to this idea of change and, and and the way we are doing this obviously is is changing to fit in with, with the restrictions. So there's new ways of offering condolences now, whether it's online, <laughs> whether it's sending a message over RIP.ie, yeah. communities lining the streets. Um, how do we think things are going to change? What Which of these new ways of offering condolences do we think are going to stay in place and assimilate into this, in inverted commas, a new normality? Well, I heard a lovely story this morning, actually, and because I, I do think that the Irish people have been very innovative in coming up with new ideas on how to extend their condolences and to show people that they care, because we have a huge desire and need to do that. And the story was, I mean, it's obviously a sad story because it's about somebody who died, but, uh, and it was a doctor and it was in a hospital and all the staff came out the cortege went into the grounds of the hospital and everybody came out and was standing obviously at a good distance but in the car behind the uh, cortege somebody had a dash cam and they filmed all the colleagues standing out and they edited that and they put lovely music to it and they sent it to his widow and she was you know delighted with it I mean obviously she's bereft but it was it was a show of support, and I think everybody's looking for all sorts of ways that they can do that. And I thought that was sound, that was a yeah, lovely thing, yeah, you know. Yeah, that is so, very good. Wow. Yeah, that really yeah. is nice. And I, I think there's going to be, um, there's going to have to be an effort made. I mean, people often would have made the effort to go to the funeral and to turn up and go off again, but now I think there's a yeah. bigger effort needed. But I think it's happening. I mean, for example, um, yeah. I have noticed an increase in the amount of post that we have received. I know a family member was on well lately and they got two packages from nieces. And I mean, the niece was, I've never been in a post office or sent a package. So, but I felt my aunt was now ill. So she made the effort to actually put a few bits and pieces and a book and things like that into a box and post it. And I think that took effort. And it meant a huge amount. Yeah. And this time last year, that same niece would never have thought about 
I mean, they might have sent a text or might have sent a WhatsApp, but they wouldn't have gone to the post office, bought a card, bought some goodies, put it in, and it meant an awful lot. Yeah. And just as that person yeah. with the dash cam made an effort to edit and send it, I think and I would hope that what's happening will make us far more conscious of the need to do something. So it helps us to express, yeah. but the bigger focus mm-hmm. is on the person receiving it it means so much. Like as you said, that man's wife, it meant so much to her that somebody went to this effort. And I think if we can say, okay, do you know what? As a nation, as a community, as a person, we need to make an effort. I think that will last if we do it now. And I think some of it is modern technology. You know, we kind of just WhatsApp and stuff, but I think we maybe have to go back to the slower pace, snail pace of, you know, taking our time and giving effort takes time. And maybe this will teach us that, do you know what? We can make time. And uh, we need yeah. to make time, yeah. you know. And I think when the opportunity arises, I don't think we'll take anything for granted. No, I think we won't take it for granted. But also, I think we will have a heightened awareness of how precious having a cup of coffee with somebody is. My God, would I love to have yes, to actually? And I used to laugh and joke at kind of people who would sit over, like the Italians, sit over a cup of coffee for hours. I remember going to a meeting one time and the guy that was with, it was a kind of a business meeting and he said, will you have a coffee? I said, actually, I'll have an espresso. And he must be going to be a short meeting because it was a <laughs> tiny little coffee. But it's the ritual of, as I said, it's about time. Yeah. Anything that takes an effort will take time. And I think we won't take things for granted and we may start giving each other time when this is over and when we're back to another. Um, yeah. And I think, I think that's more demanding on us than... In a sense, yeah. it's relatively easy to go to a funeral and go back to work. Do you know what yeah, I mean? A yeah. job done. And I think we need to slow ourselves down. And I think that would be one takeaway that I'd like this episode to have, actually that idea of of making effort. Because if yeah. if there are all these restrictions in place, I've noticed now, sadly, the, the, the few funerals that I've, I've had to attend virtually, um, you might line the streets of the area or you might, you know, wait for the, the hearse to go past and then you come home and you cast it onto the television and you sit down and you have a cup of tea and and, and you'll make it known to your friends that, look, I was there and I was present. It's not the same type of presence. Um, no. So it, it's having that reminder now that as we get to back to whatever this new normality may or may not be, is to make that effort to not fall into the the lazy trap of saying, oh, do you know what, I'll watch it at home. Because I think the option of being able to view these at home will stay in place, I think. Yeah. It's very like, if you look, Connor, at your work, and if you're performing on a stage, in a way, you can have all the rehearsals and it can go great and you can have yeah. a dress rehearsal, but it's not the same as having the live audience. When the live audience are there, that's what makes the show a show. That feedback and that presence and that appreciation and that applause and that that time that they took two hours to sit during this performance, that's what makes it. Yeah, yeah. And it's the same with the funeral. Okay, there's the ceremony, which is is the ceremony, mm-hmm. but it's the presence of people and it's the effort of people and it's the time of people that makes the difference to, to the family and, and mm-hmm. to the person. And no matter how good... A celebrant is it's actually the friends the neighbors the family their presence um 
that collective support. That, that's what that collective support makes yeah. it. Yeah. 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 I remember reading in a book, um, I think it was uh, Sadie Smith on beauty. And she said, uh, time is how you spend your love. And I think uh-huh. that's what it means to the family that you spend the time to show your yeah. care for them. And uh, it, I, I, I just think that's why it's so important that we don't fall into the habit of watching it exactly. virtually. Yeah. And printing and all as it may be, I do I do hear what you're saying, Connor. Um, you know, because you, you, you can feel that you've been there as, uh, you know, the viewer, but the family haven't yeah, felt yeah, that you were yeah. there. And unless you let them know, uh, and then in the future, hopefully, we go back and we, we, yeah, we be there. I think we need to yeah. be there. And I think yeah. if anybody was listening to this and as a take-home message, if, if we felt that, they just said, you know what, as a result of this, anybody that I know who has passed away or funeral, I'm going to make that effort to let them know. Do you know what I mean? I'm going to make the effort of yeah. picking up the phone or sending a, a card or just making it known to them that, that I'm there. Yeah. And I think that's a great take-home message. Because I think ultimately the, the, the community and yeah. family and friends of people who are grieving are going to be the driving force as to, to how this is going to assimilate back into a, a type of normality. I think there's a lot of pent-up emotion out there, a lot of pent-up desire to, yeah. to connect. I, I, think, uh, I think it'll be, it'll be I don't know, what do you say, raging bulls would keep me away from connecting yeah. again. I, you know, nothing would stop, I think, Irish people from wanting to get back out there yeah. together. So I, 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 but, the, but the easiness or the ease of that virtual watching of a funeral, that would be... I would see the the one little danger that people might find that the people might slip into, which would be a shame. And do we think uh, as well for, let's say, a family who are in grief at the moment, who are thinking, do you know what, maybe at the year anniversary or or whatever point in time, we will come back and revisit this and we'll have a, we'll have a ceremony or we'll do X, Y, or Z. Do you think there's going to be an emotional demand for that? Well, I think there's a lot of unresolved, um, People out, you know, unresolved grief out there. People feel they haven't given their loved one the send off they wanted to. They haven't paid them the tribute they wanted to pay. But you know, as you say, the you know the, the that moment has passed. So I would be optimistic that there could be another moment yeah. for them. And it's just about how that they go about that, because there isn't a ready, how would you say, path out there. And I suppose for us as celebrants, we need to let them know. You can do yeah. that. Uh, and I think it could bring a lot of solace to people to be able to have that tribute. Do you know what? That is an area that I did want yeah. to, to touch on. What can we as celebrants yeah. do then to yeah. to facilitate this, to make this a, a, a meaningful a meaningful part of, of the journey of grief? Yeah. I, I think um, I think as celebrants, we probably have a huge role in it. But I also think that it would be a pity if every house or family said okay on my dad's anniversary we're going to have a little memorial and the next door said okay well my sister's anniversary we're going to have a memorial i think that we and what you focus then on this is the anniversary of the day they passed away instead of actually a celebration of remembrance of the times and years and years that they lived and i'd love to see for example communities coming together where they would say okay you know this is about the importance of living and our neighbors and it's about the importance of the life that we have had. And during this celebration, we're going to remember those who passed away in the last year, those who are no longer with us, but would have been part of the celebration. 
So the focus isn't on any one grief. It's about sharing grief and it's about celebrating life. So be it the housing estate or be it the the local community where they grew up, I'd love to see people coming together because we're alive, because we uh, are a community, because we care about each other, and because we remember that we all have a part to play. And we particularly remember those who are not here now because they passed away in the last year. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? I just think that that would make for a very enriched um an enriched ceremony for the want of a better word Absolutely. rather than the celebrant be called into Murphy's this week and Flynn's next week and O'Sullivan's the following week of course and yeah everybody yeah, does yeah. their own little bit do you know what I mean I, I like that it brings about... it back to that theme of of community uh, again mm-hmm. sorry Caroline go on yeah well I was just going to say the only thing is I have to say if it's my loved one I think I'd be happy to have something mm-hmm. devoted to them I, I think there's room for both yeah. perhaps you know, a, a collective response uh, to the loss uh, over the last year and the loss of the loss of community and the ability to be part of the community and support people and acknowledge their grief. But I still feel there's also room for families to put something together themselves. Well, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. I, I mean, wouldn't say it's know, one or the other. I just think as 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 a kind of as people to express. Um, I think there'll always be the family that say, "Look, this is our." It's, it's private is probably the wrong word, but intimate yeah. to us um, yeah, rather intimate, than yeah. it's just a name that was called out kind of on a list. Um, yes. So, so there's room for both. Yeah. And I think they're two very different ceremonies. You see, I think we've yeah. all had that yeah. experience where you've, 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 you've done the, the traditional anniversary mass and you come out and it's like, oh, name was only mentioned once so can I tell you you that was our experience uh for my father's first anniversary and so we left and there was extended family there and people had come and and it didn't feel in any way special or you know and we left and kind of oh here so we just I say we uh because my mother listens to this, it was all her. So I have to give her that credit. Uh, but mom decided that <laughs> we would have a mass in the house. So that has now become the annual tradition where, and, and dad's anniversary is the 8th of December. So it's usually, it's on the lead up to Christmas. Um, so th- we have a mass in the house um, and a priest from uh, the SVP uh, who remembers dad, he, he comes and he says the mass. Um, family and friends come and mam puts food on and there's food and drink and it is a lovely now I have to say it is a gorgeous occasion that um that we all look forward to doing because you know we connect with family and friends who we actually may not have seen over the previous 365 days since the last time we did the mass <laughs> so um there is that very special and and, and lovely intimate feel to to how we mark that occasion. And the other side of that is it's not this thing that we dread doing or, oh God, it's dad's anniversary. How are we going to get through this? It's actually something that we anticipate yes. and, and and look forward mm-hmm. to. Yeah, But it's the people that come together that make it, be it those family or Absolutely. friends. Or Absolutely. It's, it's, that, it's all of yeah. that connections. And I suppose, hopefully, with vaccinations and with, with, with the way it will go, that we will be able to have intimate space with people and family again this was one of the things that i fear a little bit is um 
how highly alert we've become. Mm. You'd almost be driving through it as, oh my God, you see those two? Like they the hugged one another. Like, yeah. how bad are they? Do you know what I mean? Um, or they shook hands with one another or they stood very close. And it almost becomes, um, it's almost become something to be, you know, that's wrong. You've done something yeah. wrong. And I think we need to get into, we need to find how do we express that in the current situation rather than waiting until all this is over. But as soon as we can, hug one another, shake one another, be tactile, be in the same room and not two meters apart, the better, you know, because I think we need that. If we, if we don't have that, we're going to be in trouble. But people get used to, to how they express themselves very easily and they get used to kind of say, well, even though I can go to the church, I might just stand at the gate or I don't have to go up and shake hands with them. Like it wouldn't be expected now, you know. Um, reminds me, I don't know if I said it the last time, when the smoking ban came in, um, like people were smoking at meetings, people were smoking at halls yeah. and houses. Then the ban came in and like in a very short time, said, oh my God, imagine you entered their house and they were smoking. It's true. I remember That's going true. to Greece and like you could smoke in restaurants and we were all, one of the in the group was a smoker and said, I feel I'm doing something wrong because I can smoke here, but he couldn't let himself because he had in his psyche now it was, this is not the accepted behavior. And we can't okay. let hugging is not the accepted behavior or shaking hands is not the, we have to get back to say it's on hold. Yeah, you know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. That, that we need to get yeah. back to saying, you know, that, that is a genuine fear that I have that uh, my fear is that is, is that just like you said, the, the fear that it becomes a bad thing and you, you can't, you can't do it, but it's just such an amazing thing to be able to just embrace your friend and give them a hug and we can't do it right now. But the longer it goes on, I'm afraid that it, it will become a, a bad thing to do. Look at the two of them. They're hugging. We, you know? We'll all feel like we're on our first date and we don't know what to do next. <laughs> so hugging, hugging is on hold, Pat, yes? Hugging is on hold. It's on hold. That's the second <laughs> takeaway from this episode. Uh, hugging is on hold, but it will be back. <laughs> it will be back. You know, we were we were talking about uh, getting, you know, the, the, the question of what people could do or might do, you know, and I do feel that we're naturally, you know, when it comes up to the first anniversary and we're, we're coming into a year of first anniversaries and we've passed, you know, we're a week into it now. There is an urge and I, you know, when you have lost somebody, close to you there is an urge to do something on the first anniversary because you're in a different place the question is are people going to be in a different place a year on with the year they've had and the inability to grieve properly but that you know so it's a question of when might somebody do something to have the fitting memorial for their for their loved one and what might they do and i i think i the message i'd like to put out there is that anything goes Mm -hmm. you know it is whatever would suit you and that's you know our job is to do you know personalized ceremonies to 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 fill the needs of individuals and uh so for instance you know in my family we sadly lost my eldest son and you know on his first anniversary we knew we wanted to do something we knew the name would be mentioned once at the mass that the family everybody wanted to go to but i had an urge something i wanted something much more and i wanted to make sure that everybody was going to remember him that was kind of my fear you know I don't know why I had that fear, but I did. And so we brainstormed and we prepared for it with the children, the, the brothers and sisters, you know, for a couple of months beforehand, what would we do? And there was a few bob left in his bank account and it didn't seem right to spend it. So we decided would we buy presents for people. So we decided that we'd get a, a little um, lapel pin made for all his cousins. 
and it's a little silver pin and I had shown it to Connor there. I'm just, gorgeous. I know, wow. I know yeah. nobody can see this. It's a little, little silver design. It was a friend who was an artist designed it for us. And we spent, we'd used the money in his account on, on buying the silver pin for all the cousins. And so we decided, where would we have the party? We decided we'd have it in a nightclub because he was only 18 mm. and Mark. And uh, even though it might seem inappropriate, but for it was to remember his age. Mm-hmm. It was it was to be appropriate for all his friends. So it was nearby. It was upstairs in a pub. They had a nightclub there, and we went there. We had his favorite thing: goujons, chicken goujons, and chips. <laughs> and we had a slideshow of pictures of him on a screen on a roll that we'd put together. And then we had a memorial card made, and the memorial card we had made was in the shape of a credit card, so that the young teenagers would be able to yeah. keep it in their wallet and it would be easy to carry and that it might pop out every so often. So, you know, I, I was just thinking at the time, you know, we, we kind of had the little takeaway, which I think is a nice thing for to, for a memorial service is somebody can, has a little thing to take away, whether it's a laminated recipe that, you're, you know, it was your mother's, you know, most famous recipe or whatever, a poem your dad might have written or, you know, whatever it is. But it's nice to have a memento yeah. to bring home. Um, and I, I just think it's a nice chance to see everybody chatting about your loved one, sharing memories, laughing, crying, hopefully hugging uh, and doing all the things Absolutely. That we, we do to support each other when we've lost somebody. So I, I, I'm hoping that people will do something. Yeah. I think I mean, I think your examples are fabulous and, and a great credit to you as a family. And I think it does recognize that we all like to have something that's tactile and that just when we see yeah. it, it just reminds us. And I think, say, for, for that, yeah. for my dad, his memorial card is as a bookmark because we're all just avid readers. And we talk people, and they do. My family still exactly. uses it. You can see that you go into the house mm-hmm. and there's a book on the table and it's actually a bookmark, but his photograph and a little piece about him is in it. And it's tattered yeah. and torn at this stage, but used. But yeah. And I think there was a time when memorial cards, you remember them, that were folded over and there was a prayer or was a thing. And, and I thought they're kind of going out because I've got a drawer full. And they're kind of a thing that, well, yeah. too special to throw away. So, yeah, But yeah. what will I do with it now? So I think the yeah. credit card yeah. type or the bookmark type are that's fabulous. Amazing. Yeah. So And that's something that yeah. it's, it's a memento, it's a reminder, mm-hmm. but it's something that you can easily carry in your wallet yeah, or in your absolutely. book. Now, I don't, people yes. don't read books anymore. I don't know how to do it on, online. But but I think we do need to kind of rack our brains and say, okay, it's not just yeah. color his name on a list or her name on a list. It's about what can we do to keep their memory alive? And as you said, Caroline, you were afraid. Alive. I don't want yeah. people to forget them. Yeah. I think that's important to families, mm-hmm. that this isn't just it you is. know yeah. gone and forgotten. It's actually, mm-hmm. it behoves us as celebrants to make sure we do something that is about not just remembering this day last year they died, but remembering them as the person yeah, yeah. and as they yeah. lived. One of the, the groups that I feel sorry for would be people who lost somebody during COVID and they never, they would have said, okay, this time next year for his anniversary, we'll all get together. Never believing we could still be in lockdown. Yeah. Yeah. And like That's another year is up now and they're still in the same place and they still can't come together. Yeah. And there's still yeah. no dates to kind of say, okay, well, from such and such a date, we'll get back. And I think that's, it's like a double whammy. That's a double knock a year afterwards. Mm-hmm. We're still, you know, I that, agree. That's difficult. Yeah. The first anniversary yeah. is still in yeah. lockdown for some people. That must be hard. I think that's. Yeah. Yeah. Folks, 
<laughs> that is, uh, look, it's obviously, it's such an interesting topic. Um, I think the situation that we find ourselves in is is changing all the time. So look, yeah. I think it is going to be a topic that we will return to again yeah. for sure, uh, certainly at some stage in the future. But I think in the meantime, I've kept you long enough. Uh, so Caroline and Pat, thank you so much for your time. And, and Caroline especially, thank you as well for, for sharing that about Mark as uh, as well it's 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 gorgeous uh, how you've remembered them well i should really add that every at every family occasion whether it's a birthday a wedding a baby naming whatever it is to see all the nieces and nephews wearing the marquee pin on very their special. lapel is just gorgeous so I, i'm it, it worked out very well for us as a family very special so, yeah. indeed very special listen there's lots of um, f- food for thought there as as we say and i think whatever the future holds in this field I think one thing for anyone who is sadly grieving at the moment, that there is a world of choice out there as to mm-hmm. how best remember your loved one. Um, and, and I think Absolutely. that that is really the most important takeaway from, from this. I know I'm happy to help mm-hmm. and advise if anyone wants to get in touch. Caroline, uh, you can be contacted through serendipitycelebrants.com. That's right, Caroline at serendipitycelebrants.com. <laughs> Indeed, you've got your website yeah. and yeah. Serendipity are on Instagram as well, I believe. That's right. Absolutely. Very good. Um, Pat, we were talking about this. You're not really much of a social media person. <laughs> <laughs> when I grow big, I go to kind of start my social media. Um, I'm not. Um, I probably should be. But again, you know, um, I can be contacted, I suppose, you know, people. But what I would say is, um, I think if people are listening to this, you need to know that there are celebrants. Sometimes we use celebrants. Oh, that's kind of, you know, we have... Connor, you took the example for your mother of a kind of an anniversary mass, but there are lots of lay celebrants. Mm. And I would say to people, when it comes up to a time when you want to remember your loved one, talk to a celebrant mm. honestly. And they, we and they are there to facilitate what you need and what you want rather than be prescriptive. So I would say any of the yes. celebrants that come through, um, through, come through the courses, search them out and talk to a celebrant honestly and we're there to help that is a really appropriate edit point almost uh, to wrap this up on um look as i said I'll, I'll say it again this is probably a discussion that we can have again as things uh, change and continue to change in the future so i would love to hear from listeners uh, you can get in touch over the celebration sessions instagram page do let me know your thoughts and uh, i'm looking forward to hearing from you caroline and pat thank you so much Oh, thank you. It's been a pleasure. Thank you, Connor. It's been lovely to talk to you and lovely to see you again, Pat. <laughs> Absolute pleasure to be back. Oh, the pleasure was mine. The pleasure was mine. Uh, and to you, the listener, thank you for joining me. Uh, till the next time, stay safe and take care. This has been The Celebration Sessions. Mm-hmm.